Overcoming Adverse Childhood Experience Interview with Dr. Glenn Schiraldi Can you function despite adverse childhood experiences? What are adverse childhood experiences? How does it affect the brain? How to overcome adverse childhood experiences? And how they affect on our life if they're not properly addressed? Would you like to learn some practical steps so you can empower yourself despite all your past experiences? then you are in the right place. Give us a thumbs up if you're interested. Welcome to Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, where you can learn tips for your mental fitness from my guest and me. If this is the first time you're joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina, and I specialize in treatment of stress, anxiety, and depression. Over the last 20 years, I've been serving as medical doctor, specializing in psychiatry, a best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I started this program, Happy and Healthy Mind, because I believe that a lot of suffering can be prevented with simple steps. Over here, we share practical tips for your mental fitness, so you don't have to suffer unnecessarily. These interviews broadcasted live every Saturday at 11 a.m., and you can join us and ask the questions. And if you would like to get the links, you can text us the word joyful at 38470, and we'd be happy to send you the reminder and resources link. Just note that we cannot give you the treatment recommendations. The purpose of this program is for education. So uh, we encourage you to contact your healthcare professional for specific advice. And if you find value in these programs, please like, subscribe, and share so more people can benefit. So today our guest is Dr. Glenn Sheraldi. He'll be sharing with us some practical exercises from his newest book, Adverse Childhood Experiences Recovery Workbook. Dr. Sheraldi is a PhD psychologist and a retired colonel and author of 14 books. He has served on stress management faculties at Pentagon, the International Clinical Incident Stress Foundation, and the University of Maryland School of Public Health. He's the founder of Resilience Training International, which teaches people how to prevent and recover from stress-related conditions. So let's ask Dr. Shiraldi. First of all, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so blessed. So can you share why, why and how this topic became important in your life? Sure. It's a pleasure to be with you too. I've now spent over 40 years studying resilience and trauma and stress, and I have done so from the perspective of public health. And so my goal has always been to take skills taught in the clinic and give them into the hands of any parent, any student, any friend to use these before they're in trouble, before they're in crisis, because a lot of these skills can be taught in grade school, really, in the high schools. And so in the course of my studies, I just realized that a lot of people, probably including myself as well, carried hidden wounds from childhood. And and we're able on the outside perhaps to look fine and look strong and even function perhaps in our job. But I found that high school students, college students who looked normal on the outside, the soldiers and cops and firefighters that I worked with, you know, again, they, they do amazing things. And, and uh, But if there's unresolved wounds from way back, they tend to play out in, in all sorts of suffering, mental diseases, medical diseases, functional diseases, high divorce rates. And uh, then there's this landmark study that occurred in 1998 where Validian and Anda 
uh, found that any exposure to adverse childhood experiences, pretty bad stuff, living in a troubled home, uh, the more these adverse childhood experiences, the more likely one was to experience an ever-growing number of mental and, and uh, medical diseases. And so 22 years of research have confirmed that and expanded the list of diseases that are predicted by ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences. And I was wondering, why doesn't someone write a book that helps people heal these wounds so that they're not a thorn in the side and affecting our adult life? And so I'd had all this experience developing coursework where we taught skills and principles and practiced them. And we'd come back the next day and say, how'd that go when you practiced it on your own? And how do we tweak these to make them more effective? And so I developed course at, at the university and, and ultimately expanded that to teaching high-risk groups like cops and firefighters and military and put all this together in a, in a book where people can practice on their own, sometimes with the help when needed of a skilled, and I emphasize skilled mental health professional because not all mental health professionals understand the treatment of trauma. But, but I try to put together the, the latest findings in neuroscience and attachment and, and trauma and resilience. And the message is really that we don't have to continue suffering from things that happened 40, 50 years ago. There is hope and help. Yes, wonderful. Wonderful. So can you give us an example of someone who applied these tools? And, and before you kind of go in how their life is right now, tell us how was these past childhood experiences affecting their life? Yeah, so in Maryland is where I collected the original data, um, University of Maryland. And, you know, we found that any combination of what I call a big three, anxiety, depression, and anger, predict everything from headaches to heart attacks. And so I thought, why not get people in their formative years and teach people skills to cope and prevent these big three conditions? And so we, we started classes where we taught the principal, we practiced the skill, sent people home to practice on their own, came back the next time and as a group discussed it. And so, for example, and by the way, what we found out was after about 15 weeks of doing this, depression, anxiety, anger went down while resilience, optimism, self-esteem, happiness, curiosity all went up. Everything we measured changed. And I'm thinking of one student, I'll call her Dana, returning student, about 35, bright, attractive, nice personality. And like a lot of people, she had low self-esteem and anxiety. And and I the one topic I was talking about, you know, sometimes we wonder if they're really coincidence, but I was talking about how every child needs to hear certain messages and not so much hear them verbally, but but have them imprinted through gestures and, and gazes and, and uh, loving voices and so forth. And how every child needs to hear messages like, I love you, I'm glad you're in our home, you'll always be safe with us to explore, and so on. Well, that night, Dana got a call from her father, and uh, her mother had said, when you were born, you were premature, and your father abandoned you and said you're the ugliest baby, and I want nothing to do with you, and everything that's wrong with you is a result of him. And so Dana, trying to be loyal to her mother, never returned cards from the dad. Anyway, the dad says, um, I'm dying, could we could we meet? I'm dying of cancer. So she drove eight hours and on the way she's thinking, what if he's a, a mean bum and what if he tells me how worthless I am? She walked in that hospital room 
and found a loving, kind, compassionate man who said, you were the most beautiful baby I'd ever seen. You were precious. When we divorced, I wanted to take care of you, but the courts wouldn't allow. And Dana said she spent eight hours with that man. They hugged, they, they talked, and she came back the next week to the next class, radiant. And, and I thought, you know, she was lucky. She heard those messages, albeit later in life, but she heard them. And for those people who haven't heard those kind of message or experienced those kind of messages, we can learn to be good protectors, good nurturers, good parents, if you will, to ourselves and uh, rewire a lot of those old memories that are stuck in a disturbing way in the brain, below consciousness often, and therefore not susceptible to talking, reason. They're not stored in the reasonable part of the brain. They're stored in the right brain and emotional survival parts of the brain. We would love to learn some of those tools that you guys teach. Of course, you can't teach everything. But before we go into the tools, can you kind of clarify a little bit more what these adverse childhood experiences or in short ACE are? And I'll pull the ACE score card that you have shared that we are going to share with the audience when they text us to get the gifts. So I'm going to share that. And if you can kind of review mm -hmm. what are uh, usually yeah. those experiences. So Vincent Felitti was the doctor in charge of preventive medicine at Kaiser Permanente. And, and he and a CDC researcher, Center for Disease Control researcher named Robert Anta, found the 10 most commonly reported adverse childhood experience. And bear in mind, there are more than 10, but these are the most common, and they only looked at 10. And they found that if you had experienced any kind of abuse, sexual, physical, emotional, uh, any kind of neglect, emotional or physical, if you had lived in a home where there was absence of a parent, typically through divorce, domestic violence, living with someone who was mentally ill or suicidal or addicted to drugs or incarcerated, just those 10, the more that you had of those, the more likely you are to experience just a huge range of psychological and medical illnesses, everything from heart attack and cancer to uh, autoimmune disorders to depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's. The list every year just gets bigger and bigger. And that's only referring to these 10. There's lots of others. You know, for example, if a child is, is uh, abused by anyone, not just a older adult, if, if a parent was critical or there's a lot of contention in the home, there's a whole range of adverse childhood experiences. But they all kind of lead to these wounds that, that can be rewired in the brain, but not simply, not quickly, but they can be rewired so that they're no longer running the show in adulthood. Yeah. Let me ask at this time from the audience, does anybody who's uh, listening have ever experienced any ACEs or adverse childhood experience or know someone? And you don't have to specify, but put yes in the comments so we know you are interested in learning how to overcome them. And at this point in time, I would ask Dr. Shraldi, can you walk us through some of those steps that you go through in your book? Yeah, if I could just precede that. I interviewed World War II survivors who came back from the war well-adjusted and were able to marry well and have fruitful lives. And the phrase that often came up is, I came from a close-knit family. Now... About two-thirds of people, that wasn't the case. They didn't come from the two that ideal kind of family. And so we're talking about lots of us. And uh, the idea is not to blame, but to just be aware of what we're 
confronting and then take responsibility for healing and learning the healing steps. So there are roughly, the healing steps roughly get categorized under six themes. One is just assess ACEs. So we know what we're dealing with, not in a blaming way or, or a judgmental way, but just to understand in a kind way what we're up against. The second group of skills is to prepare the brain to heal, to optimize brain health and function. And there are about nine keys to optimize brain size and functioning, everything from Mediterranean diet to exercise and, and uh, avoiding neurotoxic substances, and regulate dysregulated arousal. There's a resilient zone where stress arousal is neither too high nor too low. As long as we're in that stress, that resilient zone, all parts of the brain are online and working together. We can think clearly, we can speak clearly, we can process pain. But when stress gets too high, as it does with adverse ch uh, childhood experiences, we get stuck in hyperarousal, or if we're uh, in pain long enough, we go to hypoarousal, too little, where we just feel flat and, and uh, collapsed and numb. And so we need to learn skills to bring our stress arousal levels back to the resilient zone and also to manage difficult emotions because that'll throw us out of the resilient zone as well. So just be comfortable with even painful emotions is a key skill and we'll actually practice that one in a few moments. Then we strengthen and stabilize the nervous system because young people who grow up with adverse childhood experiences, their brain gets wired to be on high alert. And so imagery is a wonderful way to do this because a lot of trauma memories are lodged in the right visual part of the, the brain and with its strong connections to emotional and survival instincts. So imagery is a wonderful way to implant pleasant neural pathways which eventually can be woven into those old negative memories from early childhood. Okay, having done that, we're then prepared to do these float back strategies where you take a trigger, an event that triggers something severe, very distressing in the present, soothe that, and then go back, float back to a time earlier in life that kind of seems to be feeding that and linked to that present distress. And so we then soothe both the present distress and the original memory that's fueling that that uh, present distress. There's nine chapters in the book relating to shame because shame gets imprinted, ingrained often in the earliest days, months, and years of life and not at a conscious level. I mean, all of us have known people that were bright and attractive and engaging and they dislike themselves. And you go, where is that coming from? And why, why won't our reassurances help you not feel that way? Because say a parent is angry and disgusted at a, at a two-year-old child. That child doesn't understand words, but they get the message in the right brain and the lower levels of the brain that maybe they're inadequate, unloved. And so you can't reason people out of what hasn't been reasoned into, but you can use imagery and body, bottom-up body-based uh, skills to rework shame. And then because life isn't just about healing. There's all, all sorts of transition skills that move us toward a happy, satisfying life. So at this point, for example, forgiving can be very helpful. 
And a lot of times people prematurely say, well, someone hurts you, just forgive and forget. Well, that kind of avoids the work needing to heal um, so that you're able to forgive. I think, I think forgiving is necessary, but I think the timing has to be wise. Soul care and weaving joy into our lives and creating a new future are all other skills. So that's kind of the, the framework for how we go about healing. You know, it's not a quick fix, but it's a systematic, very effective process to healing these old wounds. Wonderful. So how many of you got, would like to learn some actual exercises from Dr. Shiraldi today? Press enter yes in the comment section. And I would love to learn some, some tools that we can apply right away. So can you share some exercises, please? Sure. I'd like to share two or three. You know, we don't jump into rewiring the old memories initially, but the preparatory work is really important. So a lot of times people say, you know, I'm really busy. Can you give me something that's quick and effective to reduce my stress? And so this is the technique I developed and I pulled elements from different cultures and time periods from around the world. This is a wonderful skill to do in the morning when you want to start the day on a good note, right before you go to bed to help with sleep or any other time that you feel distressed and you can get away for five minutes in the car or, or the bathroom or something to do this. So the key elements. Is this single the foot-to-head stress reducer we were uh, talking about? Right. Okay. This is a five-minute foot-to-head stress reducer. And so single-minded focus, because when we can focus on a single thing, it calms the racing mind, and that's always a good thing. When we track what's going on in our body, meaning deeply focus on what's happening here, not here, that brings, that calms the emotional survival level of the brain. Very, very effective. When we can weave in positive affirmative emotions like cheer and loving kindness, that changes brain function and mood. So, so I'm going to just uh, ask you to do a few things. I'm going to ask you to put your hands with separated and extended fingertips over your belly at one point. I'm going to ask you to put both hands over your heart at another point. I'm going to ask you to put hands on opposite shoulders and squeeze in a way that feels good. And I'm going to ask you to do finger taps, which is kind of a trauma-derived technique, just on the bone right below your pupils if you're looking straight ahead. So with that introduction, um, if I could ask you, please, to sit in what I call a meditator's posture, feet flat on the floor, let the chair port your back so that it's comfortably erect. You're not slouching, which is fatiguing. And take a couple of easy, deep breaths just to kind of center, relax. And then I'd like you to pick a spot on the wall, a little speck somewhere, a corner of a picture, anywhere that you can focus. And just focus intently on that spot. Just gaze at that spot. And when you're ready, let your eyes close if that's comfortable. And just for a moment, just notice what your body feels like to be supported by that chair, with the back of the chair supporting your back and the bottom of the chair supporting your gluteal muscles and your upper legs and, and the back part of the legs. Feel your feet securely anchored and grounded in the ground and just kind of track what that feels like. And then putting your hands over your belly with fingers outstretched and separated, just notice what happens when you breathe in, those fingers rise and fall as you breathe out. Just, just pay attention for a few moments to the marvel that breathing is. It constantly happens without any conscious thought, like waves coming in and going out. And then when you're ready, take an easier deep breath 
and breathe compassion into the belly, as it were. You might think of the word compassion as loving kindness or gentle friendliness or love, whatever word feels right. Just breathe that into your belly. And then putting both hands over your heart, just as you did before, breathe compassion or loving kindness into the heart region as you breathe in and just let it settle there as you breathe out. And then I'd like you to place your hands over your eyes and just let the warmth in the palms of your hand soothe and, and bathe all the muscles around the eye. Just take a moment to track what that feels like. And then let your fingertips give your scalp line a little gentle massage in whatever way feels good, circles or up and down or back and forth. And then you can let your thumbs give a little massage to your temple regions. Kind of just play around and experiment till you see what feels good, whether little circles or back and forth, up or down. And then let your fingertips kind of slide down your forehead, over your eyebrows, until your two fingertips reach that little bone underneath the eyes. And I'm going to ask you to slowly tap as I count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And then let your hands go back to be over your heart. As you think about a time, a place, or a person where you felt safe and comfortable, calm or content, and just see if you can remember the feeling in your body. And then with a little peaceful half smile, let a feeling of happiness kind of spread from your mouth up to your eyes, soothing, penetrating, bathing your eyes. And then that little happy feeling spreads up your forehead and spreads over the top of your head and down the back of your head into your neck and flowing out to your shoulders and down your upper arms, lower arms and hands and fingertips. And then the happy fam uh, feeling spreads down your backbone one vertebra at a time and radiating out to the sides of the back. And now imagine that happy feeling spreading down the front of your body into your lungs, into your viscera, your gut, over your hips, down into your legs, lower legs and feet. And then what I'd like you to do now is put your hands over your belly and as it were, put your mind in your belly in other words, get under the thoughts and uh, feelings that race around in your mind. And just for a few moments, be in contact with, experience your true happy nature. You don't have to create anything to do this. You just have to be aware of what is deep within us, this capacity for joy. Just for a few moments, experience that. And then to end this strategy, I'd like you to put your hands on opposite shoulders squeeze with your right hand think of the word safe and sense that word in your body release squeeze your left hand and think of the word calm release and then squeeze both hands as you think and sense the word secure see if you can sense that feeling all throughout your body including your gut your chest your chin and that's all there is to that five minute strategy but it I like that it weaves a lot of wonderful elements from different strategies around the world. So that's 
that's just a nice way to kind of get back into the resilient zone where arousal is just right, not too high, not too low. You ready for a second skill? Um, let me ask the audience, how did you guys feel? And we are short on time. So can we kind of do a shorter one, the next one? I don't, I don't think we'd be able to do all three, but if we can do okay. the shorter one. Um, okay. So what I'll abbreviate the, the uh, comfort with emotions, because what I... What I and a lot of other researchers have found is people under a lot of stress who fare well are comfortable with emotions. They don't avoid it. They don't drink away their problems. They're just able to function. And then when the time is right, just sit with emotions. So let's take maybe a, a three or four minute experience with that. Is that Let me that ask right? everybody, are you guys okay if we extend the program today for another five, 10 minutes? Great. Go ahead, Dr. Shirali, we are having fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Okay, so um, sit in your meditator's posture in a serene position. Take a couple of calming breaths. And what I'm going to ask you to do is not, not pull up a heavy trauma from the past, but just maybe something from last week that was moder moderately distressing, like an argument with, a, with uh, someone or criticism. I'm going to ask you to just create a space to fully feel that with acceptance, with kindness, no judgment whatsoever. Just notice that it was hurtful and just let that come into your full awareness. Let it come into your body. Notice where in your body you feel that. Maybe it's in your gut or your chest or your throat or your head. And as we did before, see all these skills build. Just imagine breathing kindness into whatever region of the body holds that pain and soothe that discomfort with kindness and compassion. And then I'd like you to repeat to yourself, either silently or aloud, this is a moment of suffering. This is a moment of suffering. Suffering is part of life. I'm not alone. Suffering is part of life. I'm not alone. May I bring kindness to this moment. May I bring kindness to this moment. May I give myself the compassion I need. May I give myself the compassion I need. And when you're ready, just take a more intentional in-breath. And as you breathe out, just let awareness of the area of the body that holds the discomfort, let that awareness dissolve. As you go to a place in your body that is either feeling pleasant right now or neutral, just to realize that pain doesn't have to overwhelm all aspects of your life. And we'll end this with a little smile where we remind ourselves things are gonna be okay. As you repeat, may I be happy in this moment. May I be free of suffering. May today unfold with ease. And that's the end of that meditation. And you see what we're doing here. We're preparing to eventually sit comfortably with whatever hurt from the past to soothe and rewire it with a lot of different wonderful skills that are uh, learnable. Yeah. yeah, this is wonderful. And like, I would probably add on to a little gratitude prayer at the end where you can kind of bring awareness to, okay, I am grateful for being able to live in this moment or some aspect of life that you are grateful for that kind of helps you cope with the, because there are always negatives and they're always positive. There are, the glass is half empty. It's also half full. And so kind of bringing the mm -hmm. awareness to I am grateful for this part helps you cope with the part that was not that pleasant. Mm -hmm. And so one of the guests we had previously, we talked about starting your day with 
with curiosity and gratitude. So allowing what is going to unfold today. So opening up for, like you said, and you know, made the day unfold. And so you can op be open for whatever happens today and be grateful for whatever is happening. So that is wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And so let me ask the audience at this time, if you have any questions, please go ahead and put in the comment at this time. And meanwhile, Dr. Shraldi, can you share some of the gifts that you were going to or the resources that you were going to share? Sure. So I've sent the ACEs questionnaire, which lists those original 10 adverse childhood experiences. And that's just a good awareness builder. Um, again, not to blame, but just to understand. I've sent a list of some of the most, what I consider some of the more useful uh, stress, trauma, and resilience resources. A couple of great books on happiness, Gross National Happiness, The How of Happiness gives a lot of skills. Uh, Kristen Neff's Self-Compassion her basic premise is we heal better from kindness, not from beating ourselves up. I've listed my book on adverse childhood experiences, another one on resilience and trauma and self-esteem, which correlates highly with trauma. There's a section on that to how to find a trauma therapist. Sometimes, you know, the wounds are just too deep or too complex where you want to call in a good coach, a good advisor who is skilled in trauma, not traditionally trained therapists who you know, trained in talk therapy. Tell me how you think about this and what you're feeling. That's not where deep early childhood traumatic memories are stored. And so a good trauma therapist will have lots of tools, hopefully. So Sidron Institute is a great place to just say, I'm in Washington. Can you tell me some trauma specialists? Of all the one, the trauma modalities, the ones that I've been impressed with the most are two that are listed there. Accelerated Resolution Therapy, which is a derivative of EMDR, which is very effective in treating trauma, like with war vets and rape survivors. Only it's taken EMDR much, much further, more imagery. They do in an hour what may take a year of traditional therapy. And then Intensive Trauma Resolution also deals with images, art. A lot of times we can express an art and then we can talk about it when it's out there rather than in here. That's why we use uh, a lot of play therapy with the kids. Yeah. Because then they can express when they don't have the words. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, and then I gave you the instructions for the two skills that we practice plus one more. One I really like is called kneading where you just squeeze your arm and notice, track what's going on. It's a great way to in 30 seconds, calm down from what's going on, swimming around your head and just get back in your body where this is playing out. If it's 30 seconds, can you show us how do you do that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's say this came out of, again, the clinic. Someone's in, in trauma therapy and, and they're trying to tell their story and they're getting all stressed out. So a skilled clinician will say, let's put the storytelling aside, the left brain verbalizing, and just calm our bodies. So you just put your hand over over a wrist and squeeze and track what's happening when you do that. Don't judge, just kind of notice. And then experiment with what kind of squeezing feels good to you, whether it's deep or shallow or quick or, or slow, mechanical soothing. And when you find out what kind of feels nice, then slowly move your hand up your forearm and squeeze again and track. The tracking is a critical part of body-based soothing skills. And just kind of go up and down your arm 
tracking what happens as you squeeze, release, and then go back down your arm, squeeze, release. And when you get done, track again. Notice your arm that you just squeezed. Does that feel slightly different than it did before? Does your body track your whole body? Are you perhaps a little bit calmer, um, a little less anxious? Those are the kind of body-based skills that when woven into a comprehensive trauma resolution plan can be very, very powerful. And by the way, it's just a good stress reducer during the day. Wonderful, wonderful. You know so I want to share with people that you guys can get all these resources by texting the word joyful at the number 38470. We will send you the link to the gift page. And the gift page has all the gifts from different programs. So look for HHM number 45. Today's episode is 45. And you'll be able to get all these gifts over there. And then, of course, I would recommend that get Dr. Shiraldi's book, The Adverse Childhood Experience Recovery Workbook. Very easy to read. I've been reading and a lot of exercises. And it is available at most places where books are sold. And so now it's time for special. We have gone a little longer. So I'm going to take a just a minute to, to share how these traumatic or adverse experiences affect your biology. So a lot of people ask, like, you know, how does the cortisol is related to stress? So any kind of stress produces cortisol in the body when when there is so we call it hpa axis so hypothalamus stimulates your pituitary gland pituitary gland stimulates a small gland called adrenal glands that is on top of your kidney and that releases cortisol and it helps you cope with the stress but when when there's acute stress the cortisol comes you know in level increases you're able to handle the situation and then it comes down but if you're constantly producing cortisol because there, you are feeling stress constantly, especially people with with past history of adverse experiences. Like you said, they are in the hyper uh, reactive mode. So even small things, you know, they react fast. They're kind of like you know, in that scared mode. And so they keep on producing too much cortisol. And when the adrenals are stimulated too much, then they start malfunctioning. Either they start producing too little cortisol or too much cortisol or at wrong time. So like if it produces more cortisol at night when it's supposed to go down, number one, you're not able to sleep well, your mind is constantly thinking. Number two, there's a feedback mechanism that happens early in the morning when brain checks, you know, is the cortisol level low enough that I should produce more cortisol? And so if the cortisol level is high at night, the brain does not give the feedback and you don't get enough cortisol produced in the morning to deal with the morning requirements. So then you're feeling tired and you're feeling more stressed in the morning. And then at night when you're supposed to kind of calm down, your cortisol level goes up and then you're wired. And so this malfunction happens biologically and by resetting, you are resetting your adrenals. And sometimes you need to use some other tools to reset your adrenals if it is too much out of balance. But keeping that balance helps to decrease the reactivity. So you can use these mind techniques that Dr. Glenn is talking about. And you can also add some uh, biological techniques if you understand how your body is reacting to these things. So on that note, just remember whatever happened in past was not in your control. But what you do now is in your control. Take steps to heal, get better, 
Every day is a new opportunity. Every day get better at least 1% and you would be the best version of yourself. On that note, stay safe, healthy and happy. Till next time.